0: Turning to Galatians, uh, chapter four tonight, and we've cut the messages on Galatians short. We're not doing we're to do next week, but we're not, and we're going to finish what we have tonight. And next Wednesday night, we'll be just uh, bringing a prayer meeting word, as we call it, and getting down to pray again for the anniversary service and for the state of our land and of our nation. Uh, I want you to open your Bibles, please, at chapter 4, and keep them open there. We'll not be turning anywhere tonight. Just give me your attention and uh, listen to what the Lord has to say to us. The word that the Lord has laid upon my heart tonight before we go to prayer is found in verse 18 of this fourth chapter of Paul's epistle to the Galatians. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. Now, the word zealot, zealous there, is uh, the word zealot. And a zealot is one who is fervently fired up to boiling point on something that he believes in. Sometimes we call them firebrands. The Lord had a few amongst them in His uh, with his disciples. He had Simon the zealot and he was fired up for the enemy before he got saved but he was fired up for God after he got saved and So many, you know, people get fired up for the devil in in, in the world and then when they get saved they close up altogether. That seal should continue and far more continue for God. And then you think through the scriptures of John the Baptist, he was uh, was a man of uh, fire and Elijah and Jeremiah and Jehu and there were so many fired up, for the sake and for the cause of the work of God. Now if the inspired word of God and the anointed servant of God under the control of the spirit of God says in the same breath something is good twice and you have read that and if you didn't catch that you look at the verse again but it is good to be zealously affected in a good thing. Now, if the Holy Spirit talks about a good thing twice, then he means a good thing twice. Anything that comes from God, of course, is good, because God is good. His workings are good. Romans 8, we know that all things work together for good. And I don't think God's people realize that at times. We need to learn that. It says we know and we need to learn that all things, whatever those things may be, not just the good things, we know that all things work. There's a working going on and it's working for good because God is good. And then his worshipping is good. The psalmist in Psalm 73 said, it is good for me to draw near to God. And then, of course, the will of God is good. It's perfect and it's acceptable, the will of God, and we could go on. But it not only tells us that uh, it's good to be zealously affected, the text tells us again that it's always good to be zealously affected at all times. Watch the text again. It is good to be zealously affected always. Not just some days or some seasons. Not just when you're feeling good and feeling well and everything's going well with you. Well, that's all right. And Paul says here, just not just, just not when I am with you. That's what he says in the text. Not only when I am present with you, you see there's some some people they can put on a show they, they can make out their their are spiritual and they're godly and when others are around them but uh, if you were to follow them about for a day, you might find something different. but the text tells us here that we ha that that it's a good thing to be always always zealously affected uh uh, for, for, for for God. Now let's look at the text again. It's not only good and always good, but zealously affected in a good thing. That's not a wrong thing or an evil thing or a wicked thing. It's a good thing. And that puts this in our context of the Paul's writings to the Galatians tonight. Paul is referring to the legalistic, Judaistic false teachers and seducers who were zealously fired in an evil thing. They opposed the true, unadulterated gospel of God that Paul preached, and in a short time they they, 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 they contaminated and, and inflicted upon the churches at Galatian. A doctrine that left them, rendered them useless and dead, just going through the motions, breaking bread, being baptized, but going through the motions, no power, no authority, no anointing. And even Paul himself said, We met that a, uh, said that on another night. Like, I marvel, he says, I marvel how in so short a time that you got contaminated and got away from the gospel. Of truth, and that's what they did. As Jude says, they, they turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. That word lasciviousness means they turned it into freedom to do whatever they want. See, there's a gospel going about today, and you can nearly do whatever you want. Well, that's not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In a short period, this church, this vibrant church, this vibrant church, was hammered down into something that was of no use for God. Paul realized that that was the problem. You see, Paul preached the gospel in all its clarity and all its power. And my friends tonight, let me emphasize this. Our province needs to get back to the old-fashioned preaching of the gospel of Christ. We need to get back to the preaching of the gospel of Christ in all its fullness, in all its entirety, and in all its power. Because it is a mighty power when it's unleashed under the Holy Ghost. It has a drawing power. It has a saving power. It has a keeping power. It has a convicting power. The power, the dunniness of the gospel. And my friend, there's not much signs of it. Uh, doing much effect the day across our land, and that's very sad to say compared to what it used to be about 30 years ago. Paul preached the gospel of the finished work of Christ, saved by grace alone, by faith alone, by Christ alone, by blood alone, nothing else. That was the gospel he preached. And he says, Woe if I or any man, Peter, or John, or James, or Gabriel, or an angel, or or, or Michael, or an angel in heaven, preach another gospel, let them be accursed. That's strong. Oh, that's strong. And let them be cursed into hell. And these Judaizers were bringing another gospel to these uh, uh, people. Uh, They were saying it's all right to listen to what Paul says. Yes, you... You can be born again. Of course, everybody's born again today. You can be born again and you can be a Christian and, 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 and you can nearly do what you like. You can be born again and a Christian, but that's not enough. Paul's all right as far as he goes, but it's not enough. You see, this is where they're adding to the gospel. This is what the problem was with these Judaizers in in the Galatian church. And this is what, what, what rendered it powerless. Adding to Or taken away from the gospel. Let that man be cursed. Paul preached the gospel in all its entirety and all its power. And they come in and then they tinker and they tamper with the word. And if you do that, you're, you're in great trouble, my friend. Let me say, the finished work of Christ. When on the cross, the second... The penultimate cry of our Lord from the cross of Christ, the one before the last was, Tell I, this is finished. And he cried with a loud voice, It is finished. And I believe that that voice of the conquering Savior on the cross that day at Calvary reverberated into the very abyss of hell. I believe that devils and demons and uh, shook and trembled at the power of the work of the cross. Marne hated the cross. They thought it was him was finished, but they were finished. He says it's finished. Well, he wasn't finished. Did you ever consider yourself Have you read those seven saints of the cross and read that, and meditated upon that mighty cry, 'Tis finished. What was finished? Well, I'll tell you, the Scripture was finished as far as the cross was concerned. Because every jot and tittle and every prophecy uh, regarding the death uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ in the prophets or the Psalms or in the Old Testament, every picture, every parallel, every shadow was finished. Was completed. He was wounded for our transgressions. Yes, it's over now. They pierced my hands and my feet, yes? Psalm 22, it's over now. So as far as the scriptures were concerned regarding the death and the slaying of the Savior at the cross, it was finished that the scriptures might be fulfilled. He said, I thirst. Because way back in the book, in the heart of the book, it has said that he'll, he'll cry on the cross, I thirst, and he's fulfilling every jot and tittle of the book. Glory to God. But not only was the Scriptures finished, his suffering was finished. Yes, it was once and for all and forever. Once at the end of the age, he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. His suffering's over. Never more again will the spit in his lovely face. Never more again will the hammer the crown of thorns down upon his brow. Never more again will the strip my Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and mock him. Never again will the nail his hands and his feet to the old rugged cross and, dur- and, and pierce this, uh, the sword up into his side and garge out the blood in the water. Never again. Suffering's finished. Praise God. He suffered the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And I'll tell you a whole lot more if I had time. The scriptures were finished and the sufferings were finished and the sacrifices were finished. No more bulls, no more goats, and no more heifers. The rivers of blood ran through the Old Testament economy, but they could never take away sin. No more candles, no more, no more basins, no more lavers. It's all over, it's all finished. And these boys are trying to add to it. These boys are saying, oh yes, that's all right, but you need to be circumcised. These gentles need to be circumcised and they need a priest and they need an altar and they need a liver, and they need a business and they need the old sacrifice as well as the new. No, Paul says they don't. Let them be a curse that preaches like that. I tell you, it's a mighty thing to be saved tonight. It's a wonderful thing to have our sins forgiven tonight. The sacrifices were finished, and the suffering was finished, and the scriptures were finished. And I'll tell you something more Satan was finished. Amen. And he struck a blow to the kingdom of Satan that day, and millions have been released by the power of the gospel. When I mean, he's going to finish the work of Satan, some of these days. <laughs> The God of peace will come shortly. <laughs> Amen. And he'll bruise Satan under his feet and he'll be in for hell. He'll be in the, in the lake of fire. One chain, one minute, one angel and he'll be tossed into the bottomless pit. And I tell you, he's, he's on the road out. Some of the old boys that used to preach about Belfast years and years ago, these boys on the Coleman's mission, one boy was praying one day, he says, Lord, when he's going into the hell, let me get a kick at him. And boys, I'd like to get a kick at him. But praise God, he's defeated. And he was defeated through Calvary. All the scriptures were finished, and the suffering was finished, and the sacrifices were finished, and Satan was finished, and his service was finished. Behold, in the volume of the book it is written, I have come to do the father's will. He done the will. The night is coming when no man can work. I must work the works of him that sent me while well, it is day. He finished that. And completed the perfect servant, completed it altogether powerful. Oh I tell you, and then they're adding wee bits to this. And Paul says, No. Oh, I tell you, when he cried, finish the veal. The veil in the temple ripped from the top to the bottom and a new and living way was opened up. No more high priests going in every once a year for the sacrifices of the sin. We have a great high priest this evening. No more high priests going in. They had to put a rope on their boy going in, you know. They put a rope on him and he went into the holy place and there he offered up the sins for the nation. They put a rope on him because if he died, they had to pull him out. Nobody could go in. But praise God, I've been in all day. I don't need a rope. <laughs> Glory to God. It's finished. It's over. A new and living way has opened up. Come boldly to the throne of grace at the time of need and obtain mercy and find help. Hallelujah. That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to write in through this new and living way. That is his veil. It, that is his flesh. It was rent into. We're going to go right in and we'll have an audience with God the Father tonight. And we'll storm the throne tonight. And it's all because of Calvary. Finished. This is the great chapter, one of the great chapters Luther built the Reformation upon. The just shall live by faith. We're coming by faith tonight. Faith in the living Christ. By grace are you saved through faith. And a young fellow called on me there this evening. And I don't know whether, he doesn't know whether he was saved or whether he's back sitting, but he called on to, on to God. And let me tell you this, he cried to God by faith. He says, Lord. And we're coming by faith. That's Luther built the Reformation on, on just, to, that's why Luther loved this pistol. He says this pistol was as dear to him, the pistol of Galatians was as dear to him as his wife. All the works and all the rituals and all the traditions and all the relics of the Roman Catholic system all blew out of the road when he read this epistle and he said that by faith alone, hallelujah, not of works, lest any man should boast. We have no other argument. We need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died. That's enough. And he died for me. Now, being zealously affected for God in a good thing. But you know you can be zealously affected for God in a good thing in the wrong way at the wrong time. Remember Moses. Moses was full of patriotic fire. It was burning in his soul. Even though when they were grooming him for the pharaoh, remember he went out one day and he saw the Egyptians slaying the Israelite, and he looked this way and he looked that, and they were in And he slew the Egyptian and he buried him in the sand. He was full of zeal, good zeal, but the wrong time and the wrong way. Wrong time, Moses, not. The people are not going to be delivered by burying Egyptians in the sand. They're only going to be delivered through the blood. Oh, his heart was right and he was full of zeal. And boy, he he was and always was. Then remember David when he was bringing up the ark. The right thing and the right place for the ark to be was to be in Jerusalem. And David's admirable in trying to get the ark up but he's bringing it up at the right time but he's bringing it up in the wrong way. God never told them to lay it on an oxen on a new cart. The ark had to be put on the shoulders and all the contraptions and all was right and the priests had to carry it and the they put it on an old cart and they're bringing it up and they're doing what is right in a sense. They're doing it right, but they're doing it in the wrong way and also put out his hand to touch the ark. God smote him dead. You see, you need to do God's thing, God's thing in God's time, in God's way. In case there'd be some of you listening to me tonight and you're thinking of doing something, you just be very careful that you're doing it at the right time. It may be right what you're going to do, but it may not just be the time now to do it. Wait on the Lord. Wait thou on God. And he'll tell you, he'll shake the mulberry bushes. And he'll tell you when to go. Remember Peter and Gethsemane. Defend the Savior. Yes, indeed, the right thing to do. And he pulled out the sword and he clipped the ear of the high priest's servant. Jesus put the sword up. This battle's not going to be won with a sword. It's not going to be won with flashing swords and cutting the ears of people. It's not going to be won that way. It's going to be won through the cross and no other way. Put it up, Peter. wrong way son wrong way let me in closing so I'm not going to be long tonight give you some of the many zealously affected people in the word of God who are zealously affected in an evil thing remember Jezebel Jezebel Boy, she was on fire for the devil. Painted wife of Ahab. She born with hatred for the word of God and the servants of God. She dismantled. Now listen to what I'm going to say in the next couple of minutes. She dismantled the altars to Jehovah, Baal. And she rose altars unto to Jehovah God and rose altars unto the God of Baal, unto the devil, altars and places of sacrifices where she sacrificed and burned the children and offerings. She was fire against the children. Remember Manasseh, the son of the godly Hezekiah? One of the godliest kings. One of the kings that God blessed and raised up and used. Remember Manasseh? He done the very same thing. He built places where they sacrificed, and even his own children sacrificed them to the God of Moloch. And if history is right, and Josephus is right, and I believe he's almost accurate in everything, Josephus... If the historian Josephus is right, then he put Isaiah, the evangelical, the great prophet of God, into a barrel alive and saw him asunder. You see, people say to me, and we see that terrible thing happened over there in Texas, and I know, and you ask questions, and you say, why did God allow this, and why does God do that? But friend, when you study the word of God and you study the judgment of God, When you think of how God allowed that man to slay, to sow asunder the mighty prophet Isaiah that give us so many prophetic scriptures of Christ, do you ever understand why Stephen started out in the ministry full of the Holy Ghost, stoned to death? And when people talk like that to me, I just bring them to Calvary. Do you ever understand why his only son, the creator of all things, the darling beloved of his bosom, who was with him in time past and all eternity, who was daily his delight, and he put him on an old cross, and he watched men mocking him and spitting on him and nailing him. I tell you, my friend, when you come down into the realm of the judgment of God, it's a fierce thing. It's a fierce thing. And we need, to, we need to pray that God will stay the, the plague from this land because it seems to be loose in America. We need to pray that God will stay the plague because we'll, we're at boiling point now. It'll boil over someday. Jezebel full of zeal and fire and an evil and wicked thing. Manasseh, full of zeal and fire and an evil thing. Herod, who slay the two-year-old and under, they're all attacking the children. You study them. The devil hates the children. He hates the children. time does not permit me to tell you tonight about the zeal and the wickedness of the pharaohs and the Hamans and the Nero's and the Caesars and Alexander the Great and the Hamas, Hamas and the Taliban and Putin filled with devilish fire. I want to come a wee bit closer because this is why we're here to pray tonight. What about the abortionists? Do you not see firebrands amongst them for evil? For as far as I can see, there's no stopping with them. And there's no mercy with them. Murder is what is going on with the children in the womb. It's nothing only murder. The barbaric slaying of children cutting them up alive, sometimes heard them heard screaming and forcing them out with pulling them out in bits with forceps. I'm not making this up. You'll read it in any of those anti abortion books. And they call murder now health care. You listen to them. Call an evil good and good evil. and doctor in England recently they, they reckoned that they neglected a baby under the care in the hospital and the baby died and they were both fine, big fines and lost their job. One of 210,000 abortions in 2020 in England and Scotland coming up on a quarter of a million in one year living live lovely children that God has set apart from the womb and dear knows what God had for them Wesley's and Spurgeon's. Man just goes in and he just slays them. But there'll be judgment. And we're here to stay the plague. I was reading not some time back ago. I think I mentioned it before that the heat of one of the large hospitals in the north of England was generated from the inferno in which they burned the carcasses and the bones and the remains of the children until it was taped on and they got it stopped. Talk about barbers. Imagine sitting in and warming yourself at a radiator coming from an incinerator that's burning children. God help us. What about the Sodomites? They're not full of zeal and fire for the devil? Well, we were in open air a couple of years ago, Clarence and me and and in and and dungannon square and were preaching the gospel we never mentioned anything about them and they formed a ring around us about a dozen and they said that there were gays from cookstown when every time we opened our, our mouth we they shouted at us "Boys, talk about talk talk about about evil And when I left them there to go down the wee alley to get my car in the car park, they stood at the entrance and nearly blocked me. Oh, you daren't open your mouth now about them. Well, we'll be opening our mouth to God tonight. Fired up with zeal and evil and wicked and abominable. Look, Gen- look at Genesis 19 sometimes, and you'll see there if they were on fire, if they were, if they were zeal. They rammed the gates of the very place where uh, Lot was and where they, and tried to get in to rape the angels. Old and young it says. Oh, we're told now, it's natural, we're to be tolerant and loving. Yes, we pray for them and we love them and we do pray for them here. But when we're told that we have to introduce them into the church and when we have to marry them and when we have to allow allow them around the Lord's table or we don't, we will be prosecuted. Well, we will be prosecuted. First, an abomination unto God. Oh, we mustn't discriminate them. They're all right in their own way. Everybody's going to heaven. Any man that says he's a Christian and he's speaking like that or he's voting for them or those that support it, he, he, I question if he saved at all. How could he be? Paul in Romans 1 says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. And God gives them up and he gives them over for the vile factions, woman with woman, men with man. Romans 1. We're here tonight, my friends, for those who stay. We're here tonight to cry to God against the setting up of these death chambers in our province, and that's what they are, (coughs) incinerators to burn children, and that boy Lewis seems to be a firebrand for them. We are here tonight to pray against the things that God hates, and we're here to pray again tonight for our children and our young ones. The transgenders. We're here to pray tonight against this 50 pence pee that they're introducing for the Queen's ullabaloo. That's all it's going to be. We, we have got to get serious. You mothers now, you have children at school. And you have children coming along. Are we going to sit back and let nothing happen? Are we going to. Yes, it's very good to protest, and we will protest, and we will raise placards, and we will protest outside these gas chambers, these chambers of death. We will. And the greatest weapon that we have tonight, my friend, in our army, God has given to us, and it is the weapon of intercessory prevailing prayer, holding on to God. We need to wrestle like Jacob at Peniel, Elijah on Carmel, the Savior in Gethsemane. And the Word of God tells me when Zion travailed, she brought forth. We need to pray in faith and we need to pray believing. And we need to pray zealously. Would to God the church would waken up in this hour of need. For what will be introduced to us next, we don't know. And the devil got in at the thin end of the wage. He got in with COVID. And COVID worked for the devil. And he's building on that now. For he has the church closed in many places still. Many people haven't come back to the house of God since COVID. Enough's enough, and the devil needs to be faced tonight. And we're going to face him with all the power we have. And we'll see him moving. And we'll see him breaking through. For just one, one, my friend, one, one, one move of the Spirit of God, and the whole thing can be changed. For the Lord whom ye seek will suddenly come. You have to seek him. He'll suddenly come to his temple. May God help us. Let us pray.